0: Hi, have you played Grand Theft Auto? What I'm about to tell you today is simply the grandest auto theft story in history. This story is so crazy, Volvo and North Korea are still bickering about it every year, even after decades. Picture this, it's 1989 and the world is at a crucial juncture. The Cuban Missile Crisis is over, so are the Korean War and Vietnam War and communism in the USSR is just about winding up and is on its way out. Arguably though, it's also one of the most unstable times for the world. And this is when uh, a US journalist named Urban Leonard has just arrived in North Korea. He's picked up in a swanky new Volvo 144 sedan. He was apparently on an assignment for the Wall Street Journal. Leonard remembers that the roads in Pyongyang were all just empty, straight up ghost towns. And the sedans that they were in, was screeching around tight corners and basically driving at great speeds. Must have been a real sight, right? Any motorheads here with us? No? Well, all right, moving on. Lennar recalled later in his article that he had an interpreter with him in the car. He was uh, basically his friend, family, government, spy and driver all rolled into one. Because uh, it is North Korea and it's only shocking if it's if, if you're not being spied on. So yeah, the journalist wrote in the article at great length about how he enjoyed his travel and stay in the country. But one thing that struck him was the conversation he had with his interpreter about how Volvos got to North Korea. Leonard had heard some rumors from his other reporter friends. But now that he was in the heartland, he couldn't pass on the opportunity to ask about the rather funny story. Leonard recalls asking his uh, interpreter, and I quote, Hey, we had heard the story that the North Korean authorities had bought these cars, then stiffed Volvo and not paid. Are we actually riding around in one of those cars? He made it sound like a joke to not offend his friend, but I'm going to take a guess and say he probably didn't get a believable answer from him. But years later, we have the full story now, and I'm going to break it to you. So, put on your seatbelts and brace for impact because you're listening to What's the Backstory. You're listening to What's the Backstory with Pragadesh. Literally decades ago, all the way back in 1972, when Volvo 144s, you know, those little sturdy boxy sedans were still in production, Swedish businesses started expanding into a promising new market, (laughs) North Korea. Convinced that the 70s were the best time to make money in North Korea as it was considered the emerging market. At least from the exporter's point of view, companies signed huge trade deals with North, with the country. One of them was a contract to ship tons of Swedish equipment, including heavy machinery and 1000 Volvo cars. It had to be Volvo. Kim Jong-un's father was apparently very particular about it. You have to remember, at that time, North Korea wasn't doing so badly. After the Korean War. Their economy was being rebuilt, it became a functioning industrial state, although still very aid-dependent, it wouldn't have seemed like such a bad bet to do business there. And under the Swedish government's request, Volvo shipped over $70 million worth of products. So much time and money had been invested into North Korea that Swedish businesses felt and even lobbied for the Sweden's Ministry of Foreign Affairs to send a diplomat there and negotiate the possibility of opening up an embassy in Pyongyang. And so, in 1975, Sweden became the first Western country to establish an embassy in Pyongyang. The diplomat arrived there and set up a humble embassy in North Korea's capital, and in an interview much later, he opened up about the course of events. It was Ambassador Eric Cornell, uh, and he claimed uh, that the Kim's bureaucrats asked him if he would like to open his embassy in North Korea, and the veteran Swedish diplomat naturally said yes, and Cornell, who is now 92 years old and still alive, has an extensive experience of serving in Bonn, Warsaw, and Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. He was sent to North Korea, which was then led by Kim Il-sung in the winter of 1975, and in his several interactions with the media following his retirement, he had revealed that North Korea was an empty country, snowy, windy, and cold, brutally biting and numbing cold. He couldn't even drop into a cafe or a restaurant at at your leisure because there were none, and apparently sometimes all he could do was go out for short drives on his Volvo. That was the condition of life there. But his job was simple. He had to make sense of the North Korean economic situation, and he quickly found out the numbers weren't adding up, and they didn't have enough money to pay Sweden back. Shortly after Cornell opened the embassy in Pyongyang, the country's trade with the West came to a sudden halt. North Korea wasn't paying for the goods it imported anymore. Payment deadlines passed, debts and interest rates piled on, and it became clear that North Korea could not afford all of the investments. Cornell claims that North Korea overestimated its industrial capabilities, and he wrote in his 2002 memoir, North Korea Under Communism, Report of an Envoy to Paradise, that North Koreans did not know how to conduct business outside the communist bloc. Cornell says in his book, that factory equipment was left to rust away in warehouses and more than four decades later, North Korea has yet to pay for those thousand Volvos they bought from Sweden. So what happened was, trade contracts signed with North Korea stipulated the purchase of exactly thousand Volvo 144s in 1972. The small Asian country wanted the rigid design, the European look and the famed reliability of the Volvo. What the company didn't know was that North Korea never planned on actually paying for them. The Swedes, in good faith, made the car and shipped them according to the signed contract. It took them a whole year, but they got it done. The cars were distributed to to those close to Kim Il-sung and became a sign of good friendship between the leaders. The Volvo 144 was a great sedan in the 70s. It was part of the 140 series, which comprised of two or four-door models and before discontinuing it entirely, the car was also presented as a station wagon. The name 144 was an indicative of the, what the car was, the first of its kind, four cylinder engine, in photos. The car was a, basically a huge success, and it ended up being made in Belgium, Canada, Australia, Malaysia, and South Africa just to keep up with the demand. The car's suave appearance was one of great importance too back then, and apparently it still is. North Korea still has the same cars delivered by Volvo between 72 and 73. Granted, they are a rarer sight today, and uh, probably not in mint working condition, but they still exist. The drama intensified in Sweden, and Volvo never expected North Korea to not deliver on its promise. This is why they waited for the money politely for years. They only started asking about the 70 million dollars in 1976, and became serious about it much later. North Koreans actually really didn't budge at all. They never intended to pay and it's possible they never will. But the Swedes never forgot. They apparently still ask Pyongyang once every two years to reimburse the efforts they made in the 70s. According to the Sweden foreign ministry, the debt today after compounding interest has exceeded 320 million dollars and is continuously rising. But don't worry about it, Volvo didn't really get into any financial trouble over it because, I'm guessing, the Swedish government reimbursed the company in full with public taxpayer's fund for the 1000 cars. Perhaps a fleet of 1000 unpaid Volvos is just the cost of diplomacy? But by opening an embassy in Pyongyang, Cornell managed to establish some trust with North Korean leadership. Sweden still maintains its embassy in Pyongyang and it and it has taken part in numerous humanitarian aid work and expanded its role as uh, an intermediary between North Korea and the outside world. In fact, they also run errands for the US there. They pass on information, represent the US voice when needed. But one thing will never happen. They will never get Kim Jong-un to pay for those damn Volvos, whether the US threatens them or not. Because can they seriously go to war with a nuclear-armed country over a bunch of cars? Actually, you never know. They literally went to war with Iraq because a Saudi terrorist bombed them, didn't they? And since you've listened this far, if you want to know more about life in North Korea, I'd recommend a book called In Order to Live, A North Korean Girl's Journey to Freedom. It's gut-wrenching, and the author who escaped the regime's clutches explains in great, painstaking details the day-to-day life and affairs of common people like us there. That's all for today, folks. Thank you for listening to the backstory, and don't forget to give me a rating. Follow me and hit the bell icon to get notified about new episodes as they come out every Wednesday at 6pm. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can DM me on my Instagram. The profile link is mentioned in the episode's description. You're listening to What's the Backstory with Pragadesh.